I was looking for something. Oh, are we started? We're started. Oh, hi, everybody. Hey, everybody. We're back to that Zoom cast. Uh, I think we should put a little uh, on on the all the all the logos where it says uh, that podcast over pod. Put like Zoom over that. That sounds great. <laughs> Let's do that. So uh, my name is Ryan Jenke. We have Pastor DJ Lura here, and we welcome back Pastor Becky Lee. Hi. Hey. Hey. So, yeah, this is a different way of doing things than than last time, Becky. I know. I know. <laughs> I kind of like when people don't see my face. As I, I got a great, I got a great voice for podcast. Not yeah. To, as I told you, uh, I primped for this. So yeah. <laughs> Yep, I've definitely got a face for radio. <laughs> oh, that's an old joke. You can't do that one. Somebody else said that. Well, I know, but it's okay. still it, it's it's still good. So, how's your day today? Uh, good. Other than um, that, snow last night was wet and heavy. Yes, it's good and snowball more snow. Coming, more coming tonight and tomorrow. Yeah, I know. I yesterday when it was coming down, it was sort of melting on the sidewalk and street, and I thought this isn't so bad. It'll all be gone. And then I saw the forecast for tomorrow, and, mm -hmm. and then you see the temperatures for the next week. We've got it for a while. Yep. And all the leaves are still in my trees in my backyard. Yeah. They haven't fallen yet. It'll be okay. I love the first snow. We um we we busted out the Christmas music. We're just skipping right over Halloween and Thanksgiving and. Had on uh, on uh, the Amazon machine, you know, mm -hmm. you talk to it and it does stuff. Yep. Um, talks back. Uh, we had a Christmas album from a guy who was in Hamilton. Have you ever heard of uh, Leslie Odom Jr.? Mm -hmm. I've heard of Odell Beckham Jr. I don't think that's who it is. Uh, he was the guy who played um, um, Aaron Burr in Hamilton. The guy oh, who. Okay amazing voice he's like he reminds me of like um buble or harry connick jr okay and just yeah so we were we were rocking out to to christmas music yesterday because the snow was on the ground well yeah but you and your family are still sort of in that snow honeymoon period aren't you <laughs> oh no 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 we got we got over that last winter <laughs> i love the first snow it's the like 500th snow of the season that i'm like oh, okay that's enough yeah i've had my fill october 20th is a little bit early for this to start but it'll go away we had it last year we had what october 12th we had 10 15 inches or something yeah it was a big blizzard last year at that time yeah okay so, so then it will come and stay i'm looking up something on my ipad so i'm still listening if it looks okay. like i'm distracted well, uh, you asked how we're doing. I'll, I'll just give an update on my family a little bit. Um, you know, uh, I shared with the staff that uh, uh, our family dog, Lucy, who's been with us from Pennsylvania to North Carolina and then, then here to, to North Dakota, she, she passed away uh, two days ago. Uh, we were diagnosed, um, she was diagnosed with, with cancer. Um, in a very quick amount of time, uh, in about three hours, uh, she was not acting like herself and was really weak. And 
took her in and found out she has a cancer that um, even if they were able to do everything that they could, she would probably only have a couple of months. So uh, we said goodbye to her. Um, and it's one of those things where, you know, death comes to everybody. But I re I, I've been thinking, especially in the last, last day or so, that our dog, you know, she's family and she gave, a, gave my family so many lessons, uh, my kids as well as me and, and my wife. And uh, even uh, her last lesson was teaching us how to say goodbye to her. Um, and yesterday was really uh, enjoyable with my family last night because we just sat around and listened to Christmas music and told stories about Lucy. Oh. And it was really great. It was really great. It was like our own, Tears. our own little memorial service. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, we all need that. I mean, death comes to everybody and I don't care if it's a, a pet or a parent or a child, um, that time to celebrate them and to be able to say goodbye is so important yeah. um, in the grief process. So, Mm -hmm. So today is a better day, um, and but it's it's one of being more thankful rather than um, sad. Yeah, like I'm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. You know, I I had um, I I have some other questions on the list, but since um, you know, since this this happened, uh, you probably fielded this question. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Um, and I think I know where Becky stands on this, but do dogs go to heaven? Yes. yes. Cats, I'm not so sure about, but dogs, yes. <laughs> Becky, what was, what was the verse that you shared with me? It was I can't, I can't remember. If I go through my Psalm journal that I did this spring, I'll find it, but I'm not going to take the time right now in front mm -hmm. of you. Sure. But there is a Psalm that says, he brings salvation to all creation. And when I was at seminary, my teacher, my professor who was teaching the Psalms said, if anyone asks you, do dogs go to heaven? You just give them this verse because this is all creation that he gives salvation to. So yay, dogs yeah. go to heaven. Yes. I, I would add just, just a logical point. And with some of the other questions that, that you shared with me in advance, if we get into them, you know, I don't know if logic is taught as much as it should be anymore in schools but i mean here's here's just a logical conundrum would it be heaven if dogs didn't get into heaven <clears throat> right and that's that always comforted me like it, it, it wouldn't be heaven without her something yeah. would be would it be hell if snakes weren't there mm. uh -uh. i don't know if they're there or not maybe they're in heaven <laughs> more <laughs> lovable i know people love them too. i know people have pets and love them too i'm sorry yeah. yeah well we have a cat and i know that uh god gave us dominion over uh um all the the beasts and everything right but i don't think cats ever got that memo <laughs> what's the old saying um uh, uh dogs have a best friend Cats have an entourage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cats are tough, man. They'll do what they want. So, um, 
But yeah, I, I do have I do have some questions. Uh, you saw them in advance. Do you? Uh, do you I have... didn't see them in advance. Did you uh -oh. send them to me? Uh, did I? I don't remember this. No. This, came, this came about quickly. You just asked me to do this two hours ago. So yeah, yeah. It, 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 this is this is like a debate. Uh, we'll get disqualified <laughs> for cheating. Well, I will make sure I interrupt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you have a preference of which questions we go with? There's, go with there's the one that he already read them to me. Go with the one that talks about the evidence of the resurrection. Oh, okay. Can I ask about that after preaching, or is there something else that you like better? No, I'll I'll go with that. I, DJ may have froze up on us though. I think he did. He doesn't smile that much. <laughs> oh, there he is. Now he's back. You froze for a minute, DJ. Yeah. I love Zoom. It's just, you just get used to people freezing in place for a bit. There you go. So, okay. well, I'll, I'll go with that one then. Uh, so on Sunday, uh, uh, DJ, you talked about all the evidence that Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected. You said there's more evidence of that than there is that you were preaching that day. Can you expand mm -hmm. on that? Uh, yeah. Will you? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a question that has to do with what evidence will a person accept? Mm -hmm. um, if I was to, uh, like, for example, how do you know that I was preaching on Sunday? What proof do you have? Um, I watched it on the YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, I saw the, um, the order of worship um prior to it yep um and you just acknowledged that you did right now so it was eyewitness evidence you yes. saw with your own eyes so if that is our you go to youtube it's also written down that dj preached and you go find that right so there's there's a body of evidence that's tied to eyewitness accounts a recording um an announcement in advance is all evidence that I was preaching on Sunday, right? <laughs> For most people, it seems to me that when they look at evidence, the only evidence they'll truly trust, especially when it comes to Jesus, uh, for, for skeptics or people who doubt whether Jesus even existed, is the only evidence that they are satisfied with is they got to see it with their own eyes. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then logically, no evidence that exists prior to a person's own lifespan is considered irrelevant. Okay? Mm -hmm. So a couple pieces of evidence. The biggest piece of evidence for the existence of Jesus for his life, death, and resurrection is the New Testament. When people discount that outright, they're, they're discounting out the greatest piece of evidence for anything in the history of the world. Because when we look at historic documents, there is no doubt that the New Testament is the gold standard by which all other ancient classical documents are measured. We have thousands of copies of the New Testament within a very short window of the life of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> We don't have that for anything else. The, the, the closest documents that we have for 
ancient um, historical figures are like uh, the annals of Julius Caesar. And we have like one and a half copies of that. That's, that was written, recorded a thousand years after the life of Julius Caesar. And there is no one anywhere that would doubt that that, um, that writing gives a clear witness and testimony to who Julius Caesar was. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the Bible, the New Testament alone, you have several eyewitness accounts that are recorded that are within a lifetime of Jesus, anywhere from 30 to 70 years after mm -hmm. the events is the, er, the earliest copies of that. You have Matthew, who was an eyewitness account with Jesus. You have Mark, who was uh, basically um, the scribe to Peter. You could call the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Peter. You have Luke, who, when you look at ancient historians, Luke is as credible as Tacitus or Josephus for giving a clear accounting of what was actually happening during that time. I mentioned Tacitus and Josephus because they're two non-Christian historians that point to the existence of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, you have Paul, who speaks of his own um, um, uh, supernatural meeting of Jesus after Christ is risen. Uh, you have Peter's letters. You have John's letters. You have Jude, who's the brother of Jesus. And you have James, who's the brother of Jesus, his own family members. And all of their accounts point to that Jesus really existed, that he lived, that he died on the cross, and that he's risen. And what's interesting about those accounts is that they're not written in a mythical fashion like you have, like the writings of Homer or Euripides or um, uh, Virgil or these other ancient writers that were writing myths about the gods and heroes and you can tell just, just by the context of it that it's not an account of things that have actually happened, but it's tales that are being spun, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a logical um, development that when you start walking backwards through history and you go past your lifespan, you have to trust the accounts that are recorded when it's a large volume of them in a very short time span from the actual events that took place. In Jesus' case, we have more of him than anyone else in history. But not only that, we have circumstantial evidence, we have eyewitness testimony, we have forensic evidence about the cross and the resurrection, uh, we have psychological evidence, and you also have the entire development of Western civilization that's based on the teachings and the reality of Jesus Christ. In other words, when you walk back through history, there would be no United States if there was no Jesus. There would be no technology as we understand it and take for granted without Jesus. And there would be no ethic by which we, we take for granted and how life should be lived and what's good and bad without Jesus. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the sheer volume of evidence for the the historical reality that jesus lived that he died and that he's resurrected you can go into pretty much any type of um textual criticism historic evidence archaeological evidence and you find jesus all over the place <laughs> becky is that a good enough summary I, 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 I we could go on each one of these things for yeah. hours 
Well, you have all kinds of names on your brain that I don't have. Um, I know Josephus and, but, but I looked at, I'm, I'm here in um, 1 Corinthians 15. And um, this is Paul writing. And he's telling the Corinthians these words, for I deliver to you as a first importance what I also received. So he's telling them what somebody else told him, okay? Um, when he first came to know Jesus. And he says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And that means that he died according to what was prophesied about him because the scriptures for the Jews at that time was the Old Testament, the Torah, the, the prophets. And so that, that testified to him and he, he um, fulfills how many of those prophecies in the, it's a lot, over hundred couple hundred yeah it's 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 like a mathematical one in one billion 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 chance could fulfill those prophecies that were written hundreds of years before he does that so this is what paul says that christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures because it said that would happen and it says and that he appeared to cephas well that's peter okay and then the 12, so that's that's the whole group of disciples, okay, that saw him. But here's the cool part. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me, and so that's Paul. But the whole thing is that he is telling these people, if you don't believe this, there are over 500 people who are still living that you can go ask. It isn't like I'm making this story up. Yep. Living proof. If you want to know, it's over 500 people. Most of them are still alive. If you want to know that he lived, that he rose again, you go ask them because they've seen him. Hmm. So that's the proof. One of the wonderful proofs of the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, well, and, and one of the reasons that's that's so important is because if you're telling someone who's never heard of Jesus, hey, Jesus died and is risen, it was very easy to have it be verified by eyewitnesses because there were so many in that first generation. And you had this when Christianity from the get-go was openly persecuted. Mm -hmm. And you have this turn in the, in the gospel narrative of the disciples being terrified and hiding from everybody mm -hmm. to Jesus appearing them. And in history, I mean, you, you, you don't even have to go to the Bible for this. There's a turning in the disciples where they go from being terrified to openly willing to be martyred for this belief that Jesus is risen from the dead. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that doesn't happen. That's, that's like a psychological break for right. someone to willingly die not just a couple of weeks after the so-called resurrection, but a couple of decades after the so-called resurrection yeah. to not give up the lie if it wasn't true, but to be willing to be martyred for it. Yeah. And so you have this accounting in the first generation of Christians that also validate everything that was said in the Bible by the kids that sat at the feet of the apostles yeah. and who were also willing to die for this because, you know, no one lived 300 years after the events of Christ, but Christians were willing to die for the belief that Christ is risen from the dead and not to deny Jesus. Just, just the fact the spread of Christianity is one of the biggest evidences for me 
because it's so many eyewitnesses and so many people who are pointing to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life and are unwilling and unshakable about it because they know that it's true. Mm-hmm. If, if they wanted to discount that Jesus didn't really, like even, even if you look in the Jewish writings at that time, these are the, 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 the Jewish rabbis never ever said anything about uh, that Jesus, that they found his body, that he couldn't have been risen from the dead because they found his body. That was never an argument made in any of the Talmud or the writings. It, it was more, he was, he was a miracle worker that they said about Jesus and that he claimed to be the Messiah, but wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but nowhere is there this claim that and we know he's not because his body is over at buried at this place. Yeah. So even the enemies of Jesus claimed that Jesus lived, that he was a miracle worker. They discounted that he was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they didn't, they didn't undercut with proof the reality of his death and resurrection. Yeah. And you, you can break that down even farther to uh, talking about Josephus. He had no reason to, I, I mean, he was uh, probably lucky that he didn't get in trouble for, for the writings that he wrote. Right. Am I right? Or, well, he was, he was, uh, there was a war that took place between Rome and Judea around, around the seventies AD, about 40 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he was um, on the Jewish side, but then he flipped sides and (laughs) ended up being on the Roman side and the Romans won the war. And then he was giving an accounting that is very um, favorable to the Roman emperor. He doesn't have a whole lot of nice things to say about Pontius Pilate, but he makes the case that Pontius Pilate was the governor at this time and that there was this man named Jesus and that uh, uh, he was a, a wonder worker and there is a tribe that follow him to this day that are called Christians. Mm-hmm. And he was the so-called Messiah. I mean, that's all in Josephus. He had no reason to write that. All he was doing was just kind of given the facts as he understood them. But it's the same. It's the same with all of the historical records that are circumstantial secondhand evidence for the life of Jesus. And it usually had to do with Roman uh, 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 military and um, the soldiers that kept records of these things dealing with these Christians and their refusal to, to, to join in worshiping the way the Romans did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christians were considered haters of men because they refused to worship anyone but Jesus. Right. And um, Paul is the other interesting, um, the other interesting piece because what uh, why, you know, like, like you said earlier, it, it, it doesn't make sense that he would uh, go through what he went through when he was on, on the other side of that coin at the beginning. Yeah, I, I mean, not only was he well-respected within the Jewish um, uh, political establishment in Jerusalem at that time, he was also a Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. And because of, you know, a meeting with Jesus, he, it, it, I, I, I think of it as like, imagine if like when, when Osama bin Laden, right after 9-11, suddenly came on the news with one of his videos from his bunker saying, you know what, I messed up. I've met Jesus. And I have been a persecutor of Christians and a hater of the world. 
and I repent of all of that. What an impact that would make in the world. Well, mm-hmm. that's the same with Saul becoming Paul. I mean, he went from convinced that he was doing God's will by punishing Christians that he thought were engaging in blasphemy to discovering he was actually persecuting God by persecuting Christians and makes a, a 180 flip and then goes on to suffer in order to share the gospel with as many people as he can for like the next 20, 25 years. Yeah. Becky, you were going to say something, I think. No, I'm just agreeing with him. Oh, okay. <laughs> Doing well. Thank you. So I was just wondering, you know, if today, if someone like a, a despot, a, a tyrant today made that confession, would we believe it? Mm. At the confession like Paul's, you know, someone who had been a persecutor and a, and a, and so opposed, would we give them the chance to make that change and uh, and share it? I don't know. Yeah, be a lot of skepticism. Yeah, for sure. There'd be a lot of tweeting going on. <laughs> point is is that is that if you're looking at evidence you need to look at evidence in a logical framework rather than just an eyewitness account because for example i had several eyewitness accounts of me preaching on sunday but it's not as if that you can at the most we're talking two thousand people or something around that whereas on sunday um Across, across the entire world, no one knew that I was preaching, but there were people that, knew, that confess and know that Jesus Christ is Lord and is risen. That also is evidence of the, the reality and the influence of Christianity dating back 2,000 years because of the eyewitness accounts that have exploded out of it. There's no reason that Christianity should exist. There's no, there's no good reason um psychologically that christianity should have survived that first decade unless it's true right yeah okay really true i mean you know when people say well i can't see him i can't and you're right right from the very beginning if we say we only believe what we see we're very we're limiting ourselves Mm -hmm. and we're lying because there's all kinds of stuff we believe from history that we haven't seen. Right. But the particular thing people, people will argue against and really it has more proof than a lot of history. Yeah. Well, and, and usually the undercutting starting point is to say, well, Jesus can't be true because the Bible isn't true. And there's all of these legends and fables from uh, history. And what's so funny to me about that is you, you're putting more stock in a less reliable uh, historically documented um, tale about Zeus or or the Egyptian gods or whatever, and saying that Christianity stole that, when there's way more evidence that Christianity shared that concept first. Yeah. Um, because of just looking at the documentation of of even like the Greek myths, mm-hmm. as compared to Christian myths, and how um, as Christianity came on to the to the scene, the Roman writers, guys like Ovid and Virgil, um, it's like they, they adopted things that came right out of the Old Testament into their mythos. Mm-hmm. 
So it's one of those things where it's like, well, who's borrowing from who? The Norse gods are the same way. The Norse legends about Thor and so on. Well, the earliest writings that we have about the Norse poetry, um, Odin and Thor and those guys, is like a thousand years after Christianity. Yeah. And Christianity has already been to Scandinavia and there's been this influence of Christianity already. Mm-hmm. And you have almost like a, like a, like a, a reaction to Christianity in the rewriting of the stories of the Norse myths and so on. Um, and ultimately, all of those old mythos, all those old stories and worldviews to explain reality ends up getting swallowed up by Christianity, which has a much better worldview to explain things mm-hmm. um, and can be verified, yeah. <laughs> can be verified historically. So yeah. it's just this interesting thing that usually when people complain about Christianity and, and that old yarn that it's made up, like there's this group a while back called the Jesus Seminar that these so-called scholars, there's like eight of them, were deciding what was true and what was, what was made up in the Bible uh, about Jesus. And the way that they would decide is the eight of them would vote. Like, do you think this happened? No. Okay. And they came down to basically uh, the only uh, true stuff in the gospels is like 30% of it. Uh And it's like, but what are you basing that on? They're basing it all on their personal opinion. Right. But I think that, you know, we, we have this tendency and, well to, and i would add and they weren't very good scholars because <laughs> they weren't using scholarship yeah well we have this tendency now and i think we've touched on this before we have this tendency now to think of things um as they are in 2020 rather than how they were three thousand years ago you know when yeah. when the old testament was was being written you know um there, there was no, there was no uh, uh, Google Drive that, you know, Moses and 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 all these other people could put this stuff into. Hey, why don't you pick this up? You know, that didn't happen. And for there to be that kind of continuity, it's you know another one of those things that, I mean, look at Star Wars. You know, they had forty years and they couldn't get it right with all the <laughs> money and technology that Disney could throw at it. You know. Well, the the literary standard and the authentication of the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, is much more precise than the Google machine. Mm -hmm. Because anyone who who gets a goofy idea can throw it out there for posterity's sake. And someone's going to come along and say, well, I read it on the internet. It must be true. No, the effort to um, record the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, was a very complicated process that that spanned many, many years of protecting these sacred writings because they are the revelation of God. And when we look at the copies that we have, whether it's in the Dead Sea Scrolls or the earliest extant copies of, of the New Testament, it's, it's exactly the same. Like nothing has been changed and everything is, is very precise to the context in which it is written that we have discovered through archaeology. Right. Whether it's going back to 1446 BC with um, uh, the Exodus events, or during the first century. Uh-oh, I think Uh-oh. We, we lost him again. We'll Come see. back to us, DJ, you're on a roll. <laughs> he was on a roll, but was. You know, until he does come back, you, yep. you know, I, I think that too often we, we um, 
Uh oh, he might be all the way gone. Oh no. Oh, oh there he is. Oh, there he we is. switched around. Hi. Can't hear you. Um everyone's been raptured. <laughs> I think you're back now. I, I was going on a bit of a tear there. I don't know how much that got caught up. I got so excited. So you were at you were at the Exodus, but I think we got it. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and we have um um you know the the science the the dating of these documents to say that they were written am, am i correct that you know they were written when they were written um and and that many years apart and like you you uh, becky you talked about the the uh um fulfilling prophecies i mean it just it doesn't happen um no. you know it it's uh it's true. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got for us today? Uh, let's see here. Are you done, DJ? Uh, no, I, I just, and, and I think uh, Ryan, Ryan Lee just kind of hit on the point. You're ultimately going to have to look at the evidence that's there. And when you do, you realize there is all kinds of historical evidence for Jesus. And you're going to have to decide, is it fake? Is it, or is it true? Um, it was Jesus lying. Was he crazy or is it true? And I am convinced from looking at the historic record and we just touched on a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. Um, cause any one of these areas of, of knowing these, these different categories, you could spend a couple hours of us keep talking on each one of them and just walking through all of the pieces. Um, I'm convinced it's true. It, nothing else makes sense to me. Right. Yeah. I am too. Okay, um, I am too. <laughs> all right. What else do I have for you? Let's see. There were, I had a couple other questions. Um, last week I said that I had a follow-up question for you, DJ. Um, and uh, uh, Becky, you weren't here, um, but last week. Um, There's we evidence for that, that I wasn't there. Correct. <laughs> you can watch, you can watch last week's episode of that zoom cast and while you're there you might as well like and subscribe like and subscribe while you're there okay. um, <laughs> um we we talked about uh um laws last week um and the the question that i had uh for this week was uh because D dj you walked us through the ten commandments last week Mm -hmm. And we talked about tattoos and piercings. Is, and is it okay uh, to have tattoos and piercings? That was a question from Derek W. And Derek and I had a conversation. He was actually going to ask this question, so uh, I'm going to I'm going to pass this off as Derek's question. Um, how do I know what laws I should follow from the Bible and which I don't need to anymore? Like shellfish. Am I okay to eat shellfish? Um. Pastor Becky, you want to take this first? Oh, you take this one because it's one of these that is hard. You so, you like the hard ones. I'll just listen. Well, and I and I got I I've had all day to think about this. Uh, I I read these earlier, so. Yeah, I know. And I had. Um, yeah. You go ahead, and uh -oh, then I'll add. The so we again. You're freezing, man. Oh, now you're now you're now you're unstuck. Okay. Um. 
the Christian is under the law of Christ. That's a simple answer. That's what I was uh, going to say. There you go. Yeah. Um, and what is, what is the law of Christ? Uh, in action, following Jesus means loving God and loving people. Mm-hmm. Now, we are all sinful people, and it is easier to be told, just tell me what I have to do, mm-hmm. rather than giving me the freedom to follow Jesus spontaneously. Mm-hmm. But loving God and loving people will express itself as service to your neighbor. Um, simply put, when you look at the Old Testament, that is, that is the old covenant that God made to the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. He said, I am the Lord your God, I shall be your God, and you will be my people if you keep my commandments. Now, the base of all, of all of what's called the law in the Old Testament or the Jewish law starts with the Ten Commandments and then has yeah, buts added to it. Yeah, but, yeah, but you shall not, you know, you shall not kill. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And then there's addendums. It's the same in any major society. As a Christian, we're expected to be the best of citizens. So you better follow the law of the land. Um, and you better do it well for the sake of your neighbor and for the sake of the preaching of the gospel so that your neighbors will hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, especially in the United States, all of our laws are also, the starting point is the 10 commandments mm-hmm. and everything is yeah, buts on top of that. Uh, we, we, we do it differently than, than what's recorded in the old Testament because that was the law for the Israelites. And it had, an, it had an expiration date. The expiration date was 587 BC. Okay, so the law lasted about almost a thousand years. The Old Testament law. When Jesus comes, he doesn't come to overturn the law, but to fulfill it. And so he fulfills it by doing what the people couldn't do. The, the lesson of the Old Testament is God said, this is what you need to be my people. And the people failed over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. because the heart of keeping the law was love God, love people. But the, they were saying, what do I have to do? I don't want to do that. I'll do most of these, but not that. Mm-hmm. Jesus reestablishes what the law is. It's God's intentions for your life. And rather than continuing uh, the ceremonial and ritual law, the new covenant brings to fulfillment the expectations of the old covenant. Jesus becomes the ultimate sacrifice that is the answer to all of the ritual law for cleansing the people of their sin and making them right in God's eyes. Jesus does that, therefore establishing what the law actually is. It's loving God and loving your neighbor. And it looks like um, spontaneous service and care. So the question about um, shellfish, why was that law given? You got to go back and look at why was that given? It was given as a yeah, but to the 10 commandments. It had a certain specific purpose. It had to do with life or death. If you think about what shellfish does during that time when they couldn't, didn't cook it or have proper refrigeration, uh, shellfish could probably kill you. Same with pork, right? Same with pork. 
So it's, it's, it's got a context. Jesus says that he comes to fulfill the law, therefore putting it in its proper place. In other words, restoring the Ten Commandments to not only an outward action, but an inward uh, um, uh, expression as well. So Jesus doesn't make the law easier. He actually makes it a lot harder. Because during the time of Jesus, the law um, was undercut by the tradition of the elders which had to do with all these outward things like washing things, only taking like five steps on the Sabbath, things that weren't in, in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Jesus reestablishes the Ten Commandments by making the point um, in, uh, I think it's the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain. He goes into it and talks about what it means to be perfect. And he says, yeah, um, if you have heard it say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, if you call your neighbor idiot mm-hmm. you deserve the flames of hell or you've heard you shall not kill but i say to you if you even have anger in your heart toward your neighbor you're guilty right jesus increases it beyond outward signs to the inward person so that no one is righteous before god by observing the law because the law is not a ladder to heaven it's a boundary around our lives in order to restraint sin and evil and to get us to turn away from our own belly button staring trying to be justified on our own merits to trusting in god and being in relationship with him Mm -hmm. so what you get then is the new testament interprets the old testament and gives explanation as to how we are to live our life and that comes really as a guide from uh, the letters of paul and peter to the early churches of what does a godly life look like? Mm-hmm. And Paul will give lists, you know, liars, fornicators, murderers, idolaters, these will not inherit the kingdom of, of heaven. What he's doing is he's naming shameful um, behavior that is rejecting what the Ten Commandments say to do. Jesus does it too. Uh, they're called vice lists. Well, what are these there to do? To show you that the heart of any law, it comes down to the Ten Commandments. Um, and that the Ten Commandments are not have-tos, but these are God's expectations for, for what God wants for life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 it, rather than saying to someone, you need to follow these laws, uh, the answer is you're under the law of Christ, which means love God and love your neighbor. Yeah, right. yeah you, but... How do you best do that? Yeah. You know what? In some cases, um, if your neighbor is allergic to shellfish and they're at your house and you're going to serve them dinner, you do what's best for your neighbor. You don't Mm -hmm. serve it. But that doesn't mean that it's banned from your eating it. Right. But that's what's best for your neighbor at that point. Does that make sense? I mean, we we it's again logic and common sense. Mm -hmm. And and so it is. And you know, if you think the reason that that the Ten Commandments still fall under the law for us is that that's exactly what is incorporated in loving God and loving your neighbor. The first, the first being loving God and the, and the next ones, the next seven, loving your neighbor. The Greeks called it natural law. And that's how the church has spoken about. uh, uh, These are things that, you know, naturally, it doesn't matter what, look, bare bones. It doesn't matter what culture you're in. 
you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not rape. Mm-hmm. Um, these are givens everywhere. Well, it's interesting that all of that is laid out in the scriptures. It's mm-hmm. what God says to humanity. And it's different than what many of the early laws of culture had said. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could kill under certain circumstances. You could rape under certain circumstances. You could steal under certain circumstances. But usually it came down to whoever the ruler of the area was who said, this is okay for these people and not that. God in the Ten Commandments lays out universal admonitions to everybody that also have an implied positivity to it. So if I'm not supposed to kill, what am I supposed to do? Well, take care of your neighbor and keep them safe. Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm not supposed to steal, what am I supposed to do? Um, Help your neighbor keep their stuff. Yeah. Uh, You know, if I'm not supposed to uh, commit adultery, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to be faithful to your spouse. Mm -hmm. So Jesus builds on that too. Um, but he doesn't leave the, the heart. And that's what Paul means by the love of Christ. The, lo- lo- the love looks like service to your neighbor. It does. And that the whole thing is that a lot of the world then would only look at the, the second part of the law of loving your neighbor. The rest of the world who's, doesn't look at the loving God part. But it's a lot harder to keep the law of loving your neighbor when you don't first know the love of God for you and you loving God back. Mm-hmm. So that's why the first, the first three of the law are so important to us of, of loving God and worshiping God and not taking the name of the Lord's God, the name in vain, because, because of that, because of that love of God, it's just so much easier to know, Whoa, this is how I'm loved. I return that love and it goes right back to my neighbor. What, what I find interesting about that, too, is um, for uh, the Jewish faith, Gentiles also have a way to salvation that is separate from becoming Jewish, and that's the, what's known as the, the Noah commandments. And these are commandments that God gives to humanity, and there's like, I think there's like seven of them, but they're very similar to the Ten Commandments as well. Um, so that's what... what the church has called natural law. Uh, how do you know what's right or wrong? When you have the Holy Spirit, when you have Christ, you will know what's right or wrong spontaneously for the sake of your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And if you ask if it's right or wrong, what do you think? Right. <laughs> it's probably if wrong. Ask, <laughs> probably wrong. Cool. Well, uh, DJ is, that shellfish is, fine. is that when you give your kids? What's that? If that is that when you ever tell your kids, is this right or wrong? Well, if you have to ask, chances <laughs> are it's wrong. Uh, I think I that's know. come out of my mouth a time or two. Probably. Yeah, yeah probably. So, uh, well, so uh, DJ, I know you have somewhere to be in a few minutes. Um, I did have one more question, but uh, I think we'll podcast for a while yet. So we'll, we can uh, ask that at another time. Um, but uh, Becky, in, in the last few minutes here, um, you're, you are preaching this Sunday, I believe, right? I am. I am. You have a, a little teaser for the, for the folks? What? Nah, 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 nah. Um, 
we're going to talk about um, why do we pray and how do we pray and the importance of prayer and keeping in communication with God. And so that's what it's going to be all about. Cool. God is exciting. I love talking about that. Cool. And the ways that we can pray, you know, we have, well, we can go, I start going on forever. You know, I preached to the staff yesterday. He asked me to lead a Bible study and I preached to you. So, um, yeah, it'll be about prayer. So tune on in and we'll be talking to God and about God and stuff. Cool stuff and stuff. And well, we'll see if I get all the websites right this week, DJ. So we've got uh, atonement.live, atonementfargo.org, and YouTube. You can find us at 9 a.m. for a traditional service and 10.30 a.m. for a modern service. Uh, just, just search Atonement Fargo on, on those places. And um, let's tell um, people, if people are watching at another date, this is October 21st. First. Yep. And as of October 21st, 2020, we are once again streaming only. So if you're listening to this right now, yes. then um, know that we are streaming only and don't have um, people within the church because of COVID. Right. And we pray as we started this one today. Uh, we we, we pray we'll on the way out. Oh, we pray on the way out. Okay, I'm not used to this. Just, That's the, I don't have an agenda in front of me, so I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. Neither do I, obviously. Well, okay. <laughs> so, well, would you mind praying us out, Becky? I guess I wouldn't mind because that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for my two brothers here. Um, I love them and they are wise men. And I thank you for what they've shared today. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we have the proof that he lived and died and rose again for each and every one of us. I pray, Lord, that people listening, may take hold of that truth and live with it every single day, knowing that they are loved beyond reason by you, that they are forgiven and that they are your beloved children. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, thanks Thank everybody for being here. Remember, next week we'll be back with another riveting episode of that podcast. <laughs>